Well, great. So great to hear from uh, Pastor Glenn. Um, as Anne mentioned before, they are in Timaru today praying in the new pastors. And so I just thought, let's pray for them together. Uh, before we head into the word today, um, why don't you just stretch your hands south towards Timaru and let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for what you are doing in the midst of this uh, changing season, God, in this midst, in the midst of this kind of turmoil season, God, what you are doing in Timaru, God, we thank you for your faithfulness over those people, God, for the the sheep in that house who are yours, and, and God, I just thank you that you have called new pastors in, and, and God, I just pray a blessing on them. We pray your favor on them, God. We declare growth in Jesus' name. We just declare good health over that church, and we, God, we just. We, we uh, look with expectation as to what is going to happen in this next season at Timur New Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my name's Mitch. It's great to have you joining with us online today. Hopefully there are some people online. I have no idea. It might just be me and six people in the room. Um, but we're, we're down here at Thrive just uh, filming with the skeleton crew. And so if you see people in the background, that's, that's who's here. You're not missing out. Don't you worry. Everyone here has got a job to do. Um, I want to I wanna focus the word around a passage from John, the Gospel of John today. And so if you've got your Bible, open it up to John. We'll, we'll get to it shortly. But um, I, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, about John to begin with, because um, there's this thing that we believe in Christianity called uh, authorial intent. And so what the author meant is what the Holy Spirit was saying. It's not what we think as a 21st century Westerner living in New Zealand think the Bible means. That's not what it's saying. It's what the, the author and the listener meant and what they heard in the first century. And so it's important to understand who's writing and who's listening, because then we can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. Uh, I'm really sorry that this might break your worldview, but the Bible wasn't written uh, to you. The Bible wasn't written, uh, you know, you, you're not the, the listener uh, in the Bible, but it was written for you. And so to know how it applies to your life, we actually have to, um, we have to take time and, and understand what's going on. And so uh, the book of John, the gospel of John, is, this is mind-blowing stuff here, this is going to shatter your world, written by a man named John. Oh, come on. And um, he's an interesting character. Now, it's not John the Baptist. This is confusing because um, he gets beheaded in chapter three, so he's not writing the book, uh, but it's John the Beloved. What an awesome name. That's what he's known as in history, John the Beloved. Um, and you might be wondering, well, how does he get this name? It's because he gave it to himself. He decided, hey, do you know what? I'm writing my gospel. I'm going to call myself the disciple who Jesus loved. I'm like, man, that guy's got some good like self-love stuff going on. He's like, man, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. I'm the one. Not only am I going to say it and say it to my mirror and be like, I'm the one Jesus loves in the mirror today. But he's like, I'm going to write it in Holy Scripture. I'm going to put myself down as the one who Jesus loved. And, and so he's got a, he, he, you know, he, he also has his issues. Um, John's got his, some issues as well. Uh, I, I love when he's writing about going to the tomb, him and Peter are running, and, and he just happens to note that John got there first. So he's obviously, you know, he's cocky, and he wants to make sure, you know, he's the faster runner out of him and Peter. 
but John the Beloved writes this, this gospel. Um, and and he, he's, he's not just a disciple. You know, he's one of the 12. And I bet in the early church, if you had been one of the 12 walking with Jesus, man, you walk into a room and everyone stops to be like, what are they going to say? If you're one of the disciples, he's not just one of the 12. He's one of the three. He's part of Jesus' inner circle. He's like, he knows Jesus well. And, and, and this, is, this is John. And, and, but it's not just that he's worked with Jesus. He's not just like Jesus' intern in ministry. He's not just, you know, there's two I see in the church uh, or, or in the mission field. He's also Jesus' cousin. I bet you didn't know that. This could be new content. I didn't know it until I started researching this week. So there you go. Now, John the Baptist, this, this is confusing. Man, why didn't they have different names? Honestly, what were you thinking, Lord? But John the Baptist is Jesus' second cousin. So that story with Mary and Elizabeth, they're not uh, sisters. They're, they're, they're second, Mary and Elizabeth would be cousins. So, so John, is, John the Baptist is uh, Mary's, no, John the Baptist is Jesus' second cousin. Honestly, the whole cousins thing, you know, it's, it's confusing. Nobody understands it. We should just drop it all. You're either a cousin or you're not. Anyway, <laughs> it's just my opinion. Amen. Uh, we agree with that. You say amen in your house today as well. <laughs> but John is Jesus's first cousin. And um, I don't know what your relationship with your cousins are like. I, I, I grew up with a great bunch of cousins. We used to go on holiday together every couple of years and we'd 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 you know do stupid stuff together um and you know like hit each other with things and and have fights and we'd go on great adventures as well and um you know like you may have a great relationship with your cousins maybe uh you know you you've never talked to your cousins before maybe they live on the other side of the world who knows but in jewish culture cousins were like siblings these guys grew up together like John grew up around Jesus. He knew Jesus well. He was probably in the group. You know when Jesus gets lost at the temple um, and, and they're like, shoot, where's Jesus? We've left the son of God. <laughs> we lost him. And they go back and find him. John's probably hanging out in that group who, who lost Jesus. John has grown up with him. He, he spent time with him. He knows him well. And, and so he's not just a... a, 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 a a close work colleague, he's like a brother. And John, uh, John's, the, John's gospel is the last one to be written. So at this point, the early church have read what Matthew said and Mark said and Luke said, um, and John is the last one to be written. And I bet they're like, man, there's going to be some juicy details in this one. You know, because Christians, we don't like gossip because that's sin, but we do like pastoral care conversations about people. Um <laughs> And so we, we like to know the ins and outs because, you know, we're still human, uh, but we don't call it gossip because, you know, that's listed as a sin in the Bible. So we just give it, not in this church, not, not in this church. Um, but I can imagine everyone's like, man, what kind of stuff is he going to share about Jesus's life? Maybe like he's going to share some cool anecdotes from Jesus as a kid. And oh man, he's going to know the birth story so well. He's going to know what happened on that, that fateful day when Jesus was born, December 25th. Well, you know, that's what we, we celebrated at least. Uh, but <laughs> he's like, people are like, man, what's John going to tell us about this day? Because I can tell you with absolute confidence, John has heard this story before. Do you know how I know? Because I've met a female before 
And when there is more than two females in a room and at least one has given birth, you leave the conversation long enough and, and they will start sharing birth stories. Honestly, if my message is boring today, the ladies in the room might start talking about their birth stories. I don't know. But like, I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, I was there. It was painful. Like, well, it looks painful. And, and, and like, let's leave it in the past. But uh, so I know that John the Baptist has heard Auntie Mary tell the story of Jesus's birth many, 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 many times. Because it's not just it's not just a normal birth story. It's a really good one. It's got farm animals in it. <laughs> it's got a husband making bad accommodation arrangements in it. Man, I bet Joseph never lived that down. It's it's got angels and stars and you know, some shepherds show up. I don't know if you've ever had some random shepherds show up when you've been given birth, uh, but that's pretty interesting. The Son of God was born. That's quite important. Like, it, it, it's a big deal. There weren't magi there because, you know, they didn't come till three years later. But it's a good story, and John has heard it over and over and over again. And I bet the, fir- the early church, who didn't like gossip, but we all wanted to know the juicy details about Jesus's early life, wanted to know what he was like as a kid. We're excited when John's gospel was available for purchase on Amazon. Like when it came up, John's written the gospel. It's the gospel according to John. We want to check it out. It's going to be great. I bet they were excited because they're like, John knows the, he knows the story so well. He knows it. But what does he do? He he doesn't talk about Jesus' birth. He, op- he, he, he opens his gospel with three words that instantly take the listener back to the beginning of Genesis. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning. And instantly they're not thinking about Jesus' birth, but they're going, what's John saying? He's taking us to Genesis. What, what's he doing? In the beginning was the word, is what it says. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The reader instantly is like connecting. Oh, he's placing Jesus in the center of creation. He was with, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. He's making these big statements about Jesus' role in creation. He, he, he's, he's not just talking about his natural birth that he knows so well, but he's seeking God. He, he's got a word from God, and he's sharing with, what, what was happening with Jesus in the beginning. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And, and they go, oh. He's just explained Genesis 1 through 3 to us. Because Genesis 1 to 3 talks about the fact that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit was hovering over the deep. So we have the Father, we have the Father who's creating, we've got the Spirit hovering over the water. And the early Christians are like, where is Jesus in the mix? And God said the word, let there be life. In him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus is with the Father in the beginning. This is one of the places where we, we understand how the Trinity works. Jesus is the spoken word. The logos is the, the, the word that, that's used. The, the word, the word is logos. 
it's quite hard to tell you that, you know, because the word, the word is low, you know. <laughs> but that word has a significant uh, meaning because the, the, the Hebrews would have understood it because they would have gone, oh, he's talking about God's spoken word. But the Greek listeners also used the word logos. Logos is a Greek word. And, and they would have heard that and gone, oh, the logos is the define. The, they, they had at that point defi- defined this word as, as this divine uh, force, life force that would take order, uh, chaos, and bring it into order, that would take darkness and bring it into light. And if you're a Jordan Peterson fan, you'll be like, oh, I know exactly what Mitch is talking about. The, 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 order, the, the chaos into, into order. And so he's pointing to Jesus as the divine word who took darkness and brought it into light. John doesn't start with Jesus' birth story. He, he, he's actually not so focused on Jesus, at the man, the one he knew really well, but he, he shows us where Jesus is in the, center of create, uh, in the center of the creation of the world. Now, this isn't the only book John writes, and I, I really just have one point today, but I, I want to I make sure that we're all on the same page when we get to it. Um, this isn't the only book John writes. John writes the gospel according to John. Um, and so in that, he, he kind of details, um, you know, his crea- the creation account. He details what, um, it, it, right in the beginning. And then he goes through and talks about Jesus' life and, and his ministry and his death, resurrection. And then we, we, he ha- he's the one that writes the story of how Jesus restores Peter. And it's this beautiful thing of Jesus saying, man, Peter, do you love me? And he says, and Peter says, of, of course I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And we see this, this Jesus really commissioning the, the, the apostles to lead the church. And so we see that. And then he writes uh, the epistles, uh, first, second, and third John, letters to the church. And his message is turn to Jesus. Turn to your first love. Come back to him. Um, and he's really calling the church back to Jesus. And so and then, and so, all of his writings to the church really are calling them to Jesus. And then John is the one who uh, Jesus uh, shows the book of Revelation to. And it makes sense to me now, knowing that he's not just his closest disciple, but he's a close family member. He knew Jesus well. And, and I think about how John must have felt as he saw Jesus uh, with eyes of fire and hair like snow and face shining like the sun and and his, his feet with bronze, and, and, and it says that on his leg was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I can, I can imagine the feeling John felt as he saw his friend glorified in heaven. And, and so he writes about that, and then he writes, about the ch- he writes these rebukes to the church, and the message is, turn to Jesus, turn to your first love. He's rebuking them, uh, not out of spite or out of harm, but he's rebuking them, um, say, man, you, you want to turn to Jesus. You want to turn back to him. And then he describes for us uh, the church age, and he describes it using two words, the millennium and the tribulation. We are, and, and I, I hope this makes sense to you today, we're in the middle of both the millennial reign of Christ and the tribulation. They're not things in the future. Christ is reigning on the throne right now. Uh, Ephesians says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Um, but also the kingdom has come, Jesus has won the victory, but also the kingdom is coming. 
And so we're in this middle, this middle ground in history where the kingdom has come, Jesus has won the victory, he's paid it all, but we're still wrestling. You know, Jesus promises that his disciples, the church, would uh, face persecution. And so we're in this age he describes as the millennium and the tribulation. And, and, and his message through this to the church is, is stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the, the light of the world. And then John is the one who sees the final days. He sees the glorious reward for those who follow Jesus. He sees what's going to happen in, in, in for eternity. And so John really lays out the whole of creation with Jesus as the center, the whole of the kind of the story with Jesus as the center um, for us. With his gospel is is focused on how how to how to love Jesus and and how to um, you know and he focuses on Jesus's love and he focuses on how much Jesus loved his people, and then his letters are calling the church to 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 turn to Jesus and to to love Jesus, and then and then he finishes in Revelation giving us this idea of man we need to pursue God we need to continue to pursue him he explains to us how to stay faithful in the midst of hard times and then he shows us what happens at the end right across this whole story the message is the same turn to Jesus turn to Jesus and he frames his opening to his his gospel so that we understand what his message is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. In him we find life. He, in those first few words, he, he, he shows us that the place we find life is in Jesus. Yeah, our theme for Thrive for 2022 is let there be light. And I really, I came with one message today. We believe God is speaking to you, saying, let there be light. We believe God is speaking to His church in the season, saying, let there be light. We believe God is speaking to the cultural darkness in this moment. He's saying, let there be light. God is speaking to your innermost being, to the parts of you that are painful, that are hurting, that are broken. And He's saying, let there be light. And this is what I've come to tell you today. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God's light, the word that brings life shines not not in not in the daylight but it shines in the darkness that place in you where man you're like man i'm struggling with this mitch mitch, mitch I, I i i'm really broken in this area god's light is shining in the darkness and the hope for us is that the dark the darkness will not overcome it that's our hope our hope is that, that the light God is speaking will not be overcome with darkness. I think God chose this analogy um, for a particular reason. If he used any other form of battle, you know, the battle between light and darkness is a real, is, is a fundamental one. 
but if you'd picked any other battle, there's kind of like a to and fro. But when, when it comes to light and darkness, there's no option. You know, when, when, when you turn on the light, darkness doesn't have an option to hang around. Darkness doesn't have an option to, to, to continue to, to have its reign when a light is turned on. And what's the light? In the beginning was the Word. It's His Word. It's God speaking to us. And, and, and I really just feel to tell you today that when God speaks to you, even in your darkness, even in your hard place, even in your, your, your broken situation, when God has spoken, His Word will not return void. It will accomplish all He has set it out to do. In the last year... Um, was was actually a really hard year for uh, for our family. Um, about halfway through the year, I um, was laying on the couch one day, uh, holding our, our son Everett, and instantly I had a panic attack. I've never had anything like it before in my life, um, and I kind of just went numb. And I, I don't really want to revisit it too much, but um, I like I, I ended up just having this panic attack. And then two or and then the two or three weeks following, every afternoon, about two p.m., I would just feel this deep depression come over me, and um, and it was it was pretty it was pretty rough, and I kind of got through it and and, and I, I processed it with God and I was talking to to some friends about it and we, we were, I was getting through it. The problem was that for the rest of last year, um, any time things got overwhelming or stressful or, or, or became hard, I would just go straight back to that place and find myself just dropping and getting low. And then at the same time, Larissa had the worst year of her life. Uh, she struggled with mental health as well and really struggled through depression and, and some uh, burnout at the same time. And it was, it was really painful. Um, and we, we found um, ourselves seeking God a lot. We found ourselves just having to retreat and let God do work on our heart. Um, but it was a hard season. And um, on January 12th, I was walking down Main North Road in Woodend. I was out taking Everett for a walk. And I was walking down the road. I wasn't praying. I was listening to a, a political podcast. So you know that, like, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about God at all. And God spoke to me in that moment these simple words. And he said, the season of depression is over. And God spoke to me and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I better pray. So I turned off the podcast and um, I spent some time praying. And I went home and, and I forgot about it. I don't know why I forgot about it. I went home and I just shared with Larissa that evening. Um, I forgot about it till the evening. And I shared with her. I just said, hey, look, um, I was, when I was out walking today, I just remembered when I, when I was walking out walking today, God just spoke to me in the, um, and he said, the season of depression is over. And I, I really felt God on it. And so we just, we didn't do anything intense. We just said, oh, let's agree with that. And so we, we prayed, agreed with it. And kind of just being like, we're going we're gonna to believe God. 
the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And from that day onwards, something changed. Like the word of God changed something on the inside of us. And I just stopped struggling and, and we, we found ourselves able to cope when, when life was getting hard and when things were getting overwhelmed. This week, we've been installing a kitchen, and I honestly feel like I've been on the block kitchen week. Um, and it was hilarious because we were at Mitre 10, and um, we saw Dan from the block, uh, from the last season of the block. And I was like, man, now I really feel like I'm on the block. I'm seeing people from the block, you know, like, and I feel like we're in the middle of kitchen week. And, and, and we were reflecting on what this would have been like if we tried to do this last year. And... and I seriously, I think that we would have had breakdown after breakdown and we would be in a really dark hole. Uh, but, but because of the grace of God, because God spoke to us and, and we took his word, we believed it and we, we agreed and we said, you know what, actually God spoke it. And so we, we agree with what he said. We agree with him that the season of depression is over. We agree with him because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so God changed it. God changed us. He shifted something inside of us. And, and honestly, we still have been to some counseling since and we're still kind of, you know, doing the journey and we're still, you know, putting the effort in and the work. But God changed us. And I share this um, for two reasons. One, if you are struggling with depression or mental health today, I, I, I want to declare that word over you today. The season of depression is over. And if that's you, uh, just grab a hold of that right now in this moment. The season of depression is over. And to everybody else, what is the word God has spoken? The light that shines in the darkness. Because God says, the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the power of your word when you speak to us. God, we thank you that, that when you speak, what you've said, uh, like the, the rain and snow that come down from the heavens, God, your word doesn't return void without accomplishing what you've sent it to do. And so today, God, we stand on your word. We stand on your word that was with God in the beginning. We stand on your word that is, the, that is light, that is the light of mankind. And we believe today that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm going to pass back to Pastor Ann.